This is the Wheelhouse Podcast. It's easily digestible, it's mostly factual, and more importantly, it's nine episodes old. History being made on a weekly basis. This week is going to be a big one. All things Vuelta, chaos, carnage, triumph in Spain. Uh, the road to the gong continues. Uh, some big name retirements as well. Kate Bates this week. Hello to you. <laughs> it's good to be here, Joel. It has been a massive week. Uh, I feel like, you know, we might all need... Uh, a little bit of meditation by the end of this one. Yeah, got to it's breathe been it out. A lot yeah. of roller coasters, some highs and some lows. That's for sure. Very much so. Uh, so a lot happening today. Also going to have a little bit of a chat later on about the mental toll the pro cycling circuit is having on some of our favourite riders. I'm really interested to get into this because we want to see people on the bike. Uh, something's got to give. It's one of those kind of topics. We're going to get into it a bit later. Before anything else, though. I want to have a chat about last week because we had an attempt at making some merchandise to honour the fact that Champ Sis is on board for September for the Wollongong World Championships, which is so exciting. So we made a little bit of a merch. Turns out we got a memo. They said, you know, <laughs> thanks, but maybe just maybe leave the merch construction to us. Yes. And well, in fairness, it was printed logos uh, sticky taped onto a hat. On a printer that was running out of ink, <laughs> yeah. I should say as well. But this wasn't, this wasn't all that sparked it. It was actually sparked mm. by a little incident that will forever be known as T-Tail Gate. What happened? T-Tail Gate. Well, I was doing a... I can't believe this got noticed to the point that we're talking about it, but <laughs> alas, it has. Uh, I was doing the SBS rest day ride with Zwift, uh, where we jump on our trainers and we jump on camera at the same time, yep. unpack everything that's happening at the Vuelta. It happens every rest day. You'd think by now I'd have gotten into my routine, given it actually happens on every rest day of the Grand Tours. So it's been a long year with it. Okay. Uh, Alas, I didn't bring my towel uh, for sweat. And very last minute, I thought, oopsie days. Grabbed the nearest thing. What can I say? The kitchen is next to the garage. I had a tea towel. You had a tea towel. It did the job, Joel. But the problem was I, I tried to be uh, very subtle. And every time Christoph uh, Malay, who is hosting it, would go full screen to Matt Keenan, um, or as somebody called him on Swift this week, the golden tonsils. Okay, yeah, so I know I like that. Yeah, yeah. That I mean, John, I thought that, that was John Laws. I thought that was you, Joel. But uh, we share it. There's yeah. a few of us that have, have the honour of that nickname. <laughs> Every time they would go full screen to Matt Keenan, I'd dab the face uh, with the tea towel. Um, Christoph <laughs> stitched me up. I reckon. I was going to say. Came uh, back yeah. a bit early, and uh, it didn't go unnoticed. Yeah. Uh, got a bit roasted on social media. Champ sis also noticed. Okay. Uh, so, look, they were very good about it. Yep. Um, they didn't mock me relentlessly. They just simply said, we'll pop some towels in the post for you. Uh, so, they did their end. Um, unfortunately, Australia Post failed us. No. And they didn't arrive. That doesn't sound like so, them at all, Kate Bates, <laughs> no, this time but of we will, uh, we will get them for us. Amazing. And uh, they also heard your call, the need for a chamoose. Mm-hmm. Uh, to get that, uh, uh, hang on, wait. Ben you mean Connor a chamois? The, the, the chamois. Yes, yes. yes. A but chamoose? also, look, I'm listening to our viewer feedback. Okay. Um, and chamoose is the new. Well, it's another animal, another is, animal on is. board, and that's exciting. Quick shout out to Christoph Malay for not failing to notice the tea towel gate. Thank I you, Christoph. Know. Always uh, great. He's cheeky. I, <laughs> well, and I also, uh, in thinking about the chamoose and the fact that you're getting some kit, Joel, I've worn my favourite jersey today. I couldn't help but notice a new animal has joined the ranks. It now, is. if it I is. was thinking of an animal for you, I'd go gazelle, cheetah, something fast, furious, determined, but you've gone in a, a or basically a polar opposite direction. What's going I on? I have. It's a custom one-off jersey. Uh, it's sloths. 
It's sloths. <laughs> yes. Kate Bates, Olympic cyclist. And the proud spirit animal is a sloth. Oh, they're so cool. I love them. So, you know, they're drinking coffee, having all sorts of fun. I will put a picture <laughs> of this on the socials because it's the best jersey I've had. And uh, even though it's one-off, I'm prepared to share it with you, Joel, if you would like a sloth jersey. Otherwise, we might get you one with your spirit animal, which yep. I'm guessing like an emu. I like an emu. Uh, I'd also mm-hmm. accept a hippo uh, because <laughs> slow but determined. Okay. Uh, or a python Pyth- because well, I'm learning to love the pythons. You did, you know, get the pythons out. No, um, I've, I've got a deep fear of snakes. Guns out, sun's out. I had, oh. <laughs> I, I had an encounter with one and we actually connected and we had a little moment. We poked our tongue out at one another, had a friendly hiss. It was like, you know, maybe they're not so bad. So they're growing on me. Indeed. All right. Well, anyway, <laughs> well, th- we I, I'm do. just excited. This kit. Thank you so much to Champ Sis being on board for for the worlds because I've arrived as a cyclist and you've the, the sloth kit's really really cool. So yeah. very very exciting. Now I got to say there there is there's sporting memorabilia, there's sporting merch, and then there's sporting memorabilia. Okay, mm. this is Pog. We love talking about Pog. His bike, his TDF bike, is up for auction. Have we made a bid? Well, after today, Pogacar won his second tour. They thought, ooh, brilliant. We can do something with this. They put it up for auction. We haven't made a bid, Joel. It's a silent auction. Yeah. £450,000 so far. And counting. And counting. Wow. Uh, we've, it, it's a beautiful bike. I mean, oh, it, it, it is yeah, a Colnago that is painted in the Maya Jean. However, there is a catch to this. Firstly, I've got to say, I'm not really a memorabilia person, yep. so that blows my mind someone would pay that kind of money. But secondly, it's not the actual bike, Joel. It's a replica. Oh, it's not the original. No, I didn't realise that. It's, it's a, a replica. Repli- okay. Look, that just doesn't add up to me. But Okay. Yeah, yeah. that's always bothered I, me. I, I, the ashes in cricket does that. A replica urn for the mm. ashes, the real ones over in England. I feel like, no, like the resale the value on a replica yeah. bike is possibly... Not worth the investment. But anyway, there's that's ha- that's but, that's so happening. So 450,000 yeah, pounds, that's why we haven't made a bid. Now no. I understand. <laughs> Let's move on on the Wheelhouse podcast. Easily digestible, mostly factual. We want to talk about women's welter, which is yes. underway at the moment. The Ceratizit Challenge. Uh, I'm not even going the- <laughs> to. Yeah, that's, thank you. Yeah. Uh, the Women's Tour of Spain. Let's call it that. The... Uh, Vuelta fam, I don't even know the French word, uh, the Spanish word for woman. The Jeez, women's I need pursuit to of the rojo. On that in yeah. pursuit of the women's rojo. There yes, it's six days. Yep. Started with a team's time trial. You know, I don't love. I was a about to say you're not big on tour. this early on. I, I said the other way, and you said the c word. Okay. I said, what do you think of the t? Did you say it's crap, Joel? I did say it's crap. I just, I look, I think it's a beautiful event. Yeah. And in Wollongong, we will actually uh, see a mixed relay, which is a team's time trial of sorts. Okay. Uh, but I just don't think they have any place in a grand tour. But okay. that is how they have start, uh, chosen to start both the men's and the women's uh, welters this year. Well, when so, it's only six days, firstly, why yeah. only six days? And secondly, having a team's time trial as in one of those six days, is that why you're a bit sort of why the mm, TTT? Yeah, I mean, it could potentially play a very big role yeah. uh, in how it ends up. Now, Trek took the win yep. uh, in that one and Bike Exchange very close in second, which is exciting because a lot of the Bike Exchange uh, riders 
uh, Georgia Baker, Alex Manley. They're the ones that are also coming to Wollongong for the world. So it looks like they're on form. Okay. Um, Annemiek van Vloten's your team. Your mate. I was about to say, your mate, <laughs> yes. A-double-V. Yeah. She's riding for Spanish team Movistar. Okay. Uh, she's looking to do the triple this year. She won the women's Giro Donna. Uh, she obviously won the women's Tour de France. And now she's looking to go the triple ahead of Wollongong, which she said is a very big target for her to take the rainbows. I can't see why she won't be able to do it, to be honest, because yeah. there's some pretty big hill climbs in there, which suit her perfectly. But she did start 25 seconds down after uh, that team's time trial. Okay. So, if anyone you know, can, though. If anyone can, she can. Alyssa Balsamo was the, the leader after that first day. Okay. So good to see the Italian in the rojo. Absolutely. And you know who's in trouble when AVV comes out and says, I'm targeting a certain thing? Everyone. Everyone. <laughs> Every, everyone the entire women's field. Uh, yes. <laughs> let's yes. pivot. Uh, we, we, this is the Wheelhouse Podcast. We're chatting about La Vuelta. Let's, let's go to the men's. Now, we were talking about a six stages for the women's Vuelta. I want to talk about 16, stage 16 of the men's. Now, talking about the best of times and the worst of times, it had more action than a high school dance, more action than schoolies. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking like than a road, outback rodeo or something. Sure, but, sure. Yeah, you know, either way you want to slice the cake. Okay. It's Roglic, it was his chance to make a dent in the overall. Bit yeah. by bit, he'd yeah. been eating away at Remco Evanapool's lead. Uh, he took the initiative uh, with a couple of K left to go did a major attack. Joel, it came undone. Uh, he was in a group of about five riders off the front. Yeah. Not too far off the front, but about 10 seconds. It looks like he's just clipped a wheel at the back of that bunch. And they're travelling fast. He's come down so hard like a sack of potatoes. Yeah. We've seen him fall a lot. You call him... Uh, what, the sticky tape man. Sticky <laughs> and he needed it again because oh. he was really cut up and uh, both... Both physically and, yes. and mentally. He was really upset, obviously, because of the tilt. He lost a lot of blood, Joel. Yeah. It was one of the worst we've seen. I mean, yeah. not only high speed, but he just looked so shaken up. Yeah. And I'm such he's such an impressive rider. I have so much respect for him because he's so resilient and he just gets back up and, and does it again. But he wasn't able to get back up after that one. Uh, so he pulled out the next day, which was a shame. But before we knew he was pulling out, this stage, Joel... While this was happening at the front and everybody was ooing and ahhing at, at that, at the back of the field, Remco Evanapool was either in distress or pulling off one of the biggest Houdinis in cycling history. Yes. When he apparently, S allegedly, <laughs> got a flat tire. This is this. I'm so fascinated by this. The we've talked, we've spoken about uh, Rog, the attack and the stack. Now this is Flatgate. Flat I don't understand. We're show if you have a look on our social media, you'll be able to see pictures of what appears to be a fully inflated tire. He's waving for a puncture. What? What? Why? A. Why? And B. Was it flat? Yeah, well, the story is that he felt it going a little bit squishy uh, with right. about five k to go. But they've got this thing called the three k rule, Joel, uh, where on certain stages, not hilltop finishes, but it was built for flat stages where the sprint can be a bit crazy. If you have a flat or a mechanical within the last three kilometres, you will get bunch time. So you won't lose any time. Okay. Now, he 
therefore put his hand up and pulled over with his flat tyre at about the 2.5k mark to go. So well within inside that 3k to make sure he didn't lose any time on overall. Notwithstanding the, that uh, Rog had just gone nine seconds up the road, so there was that. But because it didn't look that deflated, people are suggesting that perhaps he was concerned that on that little uphill uh, at the end that he might lose a bit of time and this gave him a way to roll into the finish without losing any time. Oh, how controversial. This, this three-kilometre rule, this time gap rule mm. has been causing some, I guess, confusion in the whole tour, hasn't it? It has. So stages, it's quite – I mean, the UCI seems to put out some rules, honestly, that you need a, a thesis to be able to understand and interpret. But the, the general way it works is that in any, in any tour – because that's where it counts, where it's GC, uh, you have three different designations for stages, a hilly stage, mountaintop finish, a sprint stage, or a one that isn't designated. Sure. Right? Sprint stages, if you get a flat or a mechanical within the last three kilometres, you get bunch time. If there's a three up to three-second gap in the bunch while they're all sprinting crazy, bunch time. They don't put time gaps between up to three seconds between bunches which makes sense you know and it's for rider safety really sure mountaintop finishes there's none of that and then the undesignated stages don't get the three second time gap rule but they do get the three kilometer flat or mechanical rule if you can't keep up you're not the only one a lot I'm, of the I'm, t- I, <laughs> you're I'm back behind. there i'm back there that is so confusing kate bates it is and the teams, some of the teams, I think, are getting quite confused yeah. about it. We saw it happen at the Vuelta. People were really confused about whether Remco would get bunch time or not. So yeah. beyond debating whether he actually got a flat or not, uh, you know, people are trying to understand this 3K rule. But coincidentally, it happened on the same day at the Tour of Britain uh, where they gave one rider the red jersey, which is also a red leader's jersey at okay. the Tour of Britain, and... Then they changed that around because they'd accidentally given a three-second time gap to a rider when they shouldn't have because of this uh, 3K rule. So I think they need to simplify it. I do too because three kilometres, you're sort of opening opening up the opportunity as as Remco may or may not have to sort of take. Yeah, I mean it's a pretty it's a good debate point, but I think it's a pretty big kick to his integrity to suggest that he would fake it. But when you and, and to give a bit of context, Joel. They're riding tubeless tyres these days. Uh, and if he was on a tubeless tyre, because I tried to get his exact setup uh, so we could talk through it, but uh, they're keeping that one a little bit uh, close to their chest. Yep. Uh, but they can lose quite a lot of inflation and be very squishy, which would make it quite dangerous in corners. And okay. you would de- you definitely feel it, but it doesn't look that flat because it still holds about 30 or 40 PSI. Sure. Um, which is pounds per square inch, which is what the tyre inflation is, is measured at. Um, that's about what a car tyre has. Yep. But for context, uh, they will usually start the day around 100 PSI. So it is flat and it is harder uh, to steer. I was advised Even 100 PSI on the racer uh, yes. and, and closer to the 34 mark on the mountain yes. bike. Yes, the, the wider the tyre, yeah. the less air that you have to put in it. And incidentally, Joel, on a track bike, we used to pump our tyres up uh, to around 190 PSI. <sighs> and yet you, you still carry the nickname of them. the sloth. <laughs> I, I shouldn't say the nickname, sorry. I've, I, no, I've given it to myself. <laughs> I, I, I've 
by the jersey. Now you've made it a thing. So. Well, I, got, I think we've got two candidates for your nickname just quickly. So uh, Wikipedia says Catherine and Katie. Mm. Now, tea towel baits <laughs> or <laughs> slotho. I we'll, think we'll, you need to go back to the drawing board we'll on that one. We'll workshop it. They're both. My no, favourite word, pretty crap. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. On the Wheelhouse podcast, easily digestible, mostly factual. Let's stay in Spain if we can. My name's Joel Spreadbury. Kate Bates is also present and accounted for. Now, we were getting very excited about Jay Vine uh, with, with very good reason, uh, but heartbreak, heartbreak yes. whilst in, in, in touching distance. <laughs> King of the mountain, what in happened? touching distance. Yes, uh, Jay Vine, he was doing a sensational job. A couple of stage wins at the Vuelta. Yeah. Uh, looking resplendent in the polka dot jersey. We're used to the red and white at the Tour de France, but it's blue and white. Uh, at the Tour of Spain. And uh, Joel, he went down another sack of potatoes kind of fall mm. and uh, had to withdraw immediately. That was on stage 18. 15 stitches, uh, about a 10-centimetre wound for him. So he got popped straight in the ambulance, which is a real shame. I mean, I think it's really tough to finish your tour, not on your terms. Totally. Yeah. Um, we've only won, incidentally, the KOM jersey or p- even top three at the Vuelta twice. Yeah. Uh, that was last year with Michael Storer uh, and Simon Clark won it back in 2012. So he was going to be uh, the third Aussie to do it. And he was looking good to take it all the way to Madrid. He'll be back next year. Yeah. Uh, but it, it has. he's been such an interesting rider this uh, this Vuelta and uh, his interviews have been really interesting too, Joel. He's a little bit out of the box. Uh, he's a little bit different to a lot of the riders we're used to hearing from uh, yes. in jerseys and it's been duly noted. Would you say Jay Vine is a little bit robot-like in the way Ooh. he 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 analyzes and he's a bit money, he's a bit of a money ball guy. <laughs> he's a bit um, machine learning. Uh, it's a good question and I think a lot of his post-race interviews uh, if you could say, have lacked emotion a bit yeah. because they have been very analytical. Uh, when he crosses the line, he's quite critical, but I don't think in an emotive way. I think just in an analytical way. He'll mm-hmm. say, this is what went right, this is what didn't go right, I'm disappointed or I'm happy, and we move on. Yeah. Uh, it's caused some people to say, is he too hard on himself? But I tend to think it's just the way he processes it. So it's not even a self-reflection necessarily with emotion attached to it. It's simply this went right, this didn't go right. Go back to the whiteboard. You know, he and his uh, darling wife, Bree, have everything. They analyse everything. They do a great job. And it's, I think, the way forward for cycling, Joel, because there's so much data. I mean... You know, we collect it off the Garmin or Strava or whatever it is. We get into our own data. So you can imagine that at a pro cycling level, it's almost data overwhelmed. They've got to figure out what to do with it. It's massive. And we were chatting to Brad McGee on this on this podcast just recently. And he was talking about how important, obviously, data and analytics is when it comes to appraising, making selections, all of that. Is Jay Vine a bit of a prototype for the, the future, the kind of rider that is just right in there with that kind of thing and, and all about the analytics, basically. Yeah, he's at the forefront. We've had some Aussie riders. Adam Hansen is one that comes to mind yeah. uh, who was a very similar mindset, but there wasn't the same technology as today for him to then work with. Uh, but it came at an interesting time that people are talking about this because also Team Kubeka announced that they've got a partnership 
um, a data analytics partnership with Click. Yes. Uh, Doug Ryder, their team founder and managing director, came out and said um, that the Click analytics platform enables better decisions for the team. They've always been known to be a very data-driven team, but they are, with Click's help, taking it to a new level. Uh, and so I understand that Click are building them um, a beautiful dashboard to mean that wherever they are around the world with their teams, uh, they race about 200 days a year, they can make better decisions, not just on a team level, um, but also on an individual level. So it's it's quite exciting. What does I it think. mean? Like it's 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 big for it's big for these teams, isn't it? It's huge, and you know I think a, a partner like Click is this is their jam. You yeah, know, sure. And as teams get smarter, and we're talking about they're using it in a whole range of ways. Joel, these teams have got chief data scientists too. It's wow. mind blowing, right? But what they're essentially doing is they're using it for performance, no doubt. So. The way they do that is certainly around analysis of riders for who to sign. Okay. Um, also analysis of the riders' data for who to pick for each race who's on form um, rather than kind of a more old-fashioned way where you'd almost pre-select the team pretty early based on their history. Yeah, yeah, You're getting yeah. some real-time data about what their form's like. Uh, they're using it for rider welfare and well-being, which is pretty important, I think, um, in the greater view of the sport, trying to keep them in the sport for longer and, um, I guess, more efficient assets to their team if you want to kind of go down the mechanical uh, way. They're tracking their sleep. They're tracking all of these indicators of physical and mental health. Um, But the other thing that they're doing, and this is a really interesting one with Team Quebecer, is they're looking at the environmental footprint that cycling has uh, with all their cars going around, the whole logistics of it, water bottles being thrown out and reused, uh, and they're using all of these data points to create a more efficient way to run the team when in regard to their carbon footprint. It's an it's interesting the, 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 the sustainability aspect yes. of it is a really interesting one. And it, it's as a relative newcomer to the sport, it's actually it, it almost takes you by surprise when you say this, the carbon footprint of cycling. You're like, well, huh? Excuse me, I know. cycling. No, yeah. so, well, no, when you think about the motorcades and the. Moto journalists, you know, there's this whole big procession, the travelling circus. It's quite significant. Indeed, so, yeah. Really interesting. So I think we're going to try and get Doug Ryder in yep. um, to chat to him all about that because so many questions, right? Uh, and also the best possible surname for anyone associated <laughs> yes. with the sport, yes. let me say. Yes, he's, he's a South African Olympian Love uh, with the best name. Uh, absolutely. And um, also really exciting, Joel. We're also going to do a bit of a project with Click in the upcoming weeks um, and a data provider, Decision Inc., around predicting. Uh, so we're going to get them to use their machines and data to predict the re- the results uh, for the World Championships. Amazing. We might kind of pit that against And we will finally get the answer to the question we were throwing around in a novelty sense last week. Could a robot do a better job I know. we will be asking that question. we're going to find out we're yes. going to on the wheelhouse podcast uh, my name is joel spradborough kate bates is here in the sloth jersey um i'm wearing the wheelhouse merchandise which is fantastic now uh sad news obviously the in britain and across the commonwealth with the passing of queen elizabeth and it does mean the tour of britain uh, is among many sporting events um involving the UK and beyond to have been cancelled. Now, there's a bigger implication to this uh, in that it was also going to be a farewell tour for one of the great 
one of the great Tasmanians, um, Richie Port. Yes, the boy from Launceston. And very, very sad news coming out of uh, the UK. And uh, she is our queen in Australia too, mm. uh, was. Um, so that it is a bit sad. And so Richie Port, uh, who rides for British team Ineos, the Ineos Grenadiers, he's had a remarkable career. Absolutely uh, mind-boggling athlete. Set, leaves a real legacy. Uh, but the 37-year-old, he's pulled stumps. He's yep. called it a day. And the Tour of Britain was supposed to be his final race. Uh, so they did ride. There were a couple of days of racing uh, before it got cancelled. Yep. But essentially that means that he didn't realise that was his last race. Well... It's lovely symmetry it would have been for Ineos, of course, all of that. And that was just a PR dream. But they, they, he won't. When you're done, you're done. You'd be able to speak to this. Like, he's he's not going to say, oh, you know what, I, I want to get one last event. No, look, I, I, I don't think so. I think that that will be. Um, yeah. It's as on your terms as you, you can get, you know. Sure. I mean, he, he went into it knowing that anything could happen. But um, he's won the Tour of Swiss a number of times. He's won Paris-Nice. Uh, he's the king of Wollonga. Uh, affectionately known for his victories at the Tour Down Under and especially uh, his stage victories up uh, Wollonga Hill, uh, which is a nasty little climb <laughs> in the uh, in the regions of um, south of Adelaide. Uh, so he is pretty formidable. Um, yeah. So we'll call him the King of Wollonga. Uh, and it, look, he is also a great character, Joel. The sport will miss him. You know, I think yeah. he's paved the way... Uh, for generations to come. He's raced all across the world uh, in the Australian champions colours as well as his professional colours. Uh, and he he didn't quite get his Tour de France victory. He got close. He was on the podium. But he was on the podium. You know, incredible, incredible competitor. And yep. I, aside from what he did on the bike, um, blowing up at a journalist. I remember he, there was a motorbike getting a bit too close to him in the Tour of 21. And it... Uh, he just looked at the at the guy and just went, you're right, mate? <laughs> and it was such a good moment. It was such a just like, yeah, get out of his face. He yes. was just having a little moment, just getting in the slipstream behind the car. The guy's getting up his face. He's just like, I'm going to tell you that I'm not actually enjoying this very much. There was another <laughs> moment and I'm, he, he he helped someone along. They were, they were doing a tough climb and Richie basically gave a little moment of, you know, just a very quick fleeting moment, but it was just like, what? What a guy, what a competitor. And it leads me to the bigger question. I always ask this question. I'm going to ask it again. Statue of Richie in Launceston, what do you reckon? I think so. I reckon. Well, he, he said, I'm ready for retirement, but it is going to be a big shock. And maybe a statue will help <laughs> ease that transition. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm not sure we're expecting he and his family uh, to relocate back to Lonnie. Um, in retirement, but look, you never know. If there's a big 12-foot bronze <laughs> monument. <laughs> it might. It, I think it he already has the keys to the city as well. Yep. So let's, he can uh, return at whim. Let's round it out. Will. It has been retirement <laughs> central, though. Of course, we mentioned Richie Port, but uh, Cameron Myers is, is yes. on the way out as well. Oh, darling Cameron Meyer. He's just a favourite of mine. His first national team uh, was one of my last national teams, and uh, he was just the most phenomenal points race rider Australia has ever seen. Nine times world champion. Uh, not just Australia's best ever points race rider, but I believe... Um, behind the great Juan Linares, that he is the world's uh, best ever points race rider. That was my event too, Joel. So okay. we did a lot of training together. And I had the absolute privilege of watching him develop through the ranks. The kindest soul. Uh, he was billed as a big hope for the Tour de France and Grand Tours. And he tried insofar as he 
sacrificed a bit of track. He went over to the road uh, to chase, I was going to say his dream, but I don't ever think it was his dream. I think people pushed that onto him because he was so talented. Okay. Ultimately, uh, he pulled out of a few teams and contracts because it just wasn't, it wasn't for him. Uh, that's not where his heart was. His heart was on the track. And I think to show what a champion uh, person he is, his priorities are always in the right place. His big dream uh, with all his world titles, Joel, was to win an Olympic gold medal. Uh, and he was set to go for that at the Tokyo Olympics. Uh, when they were delayed, he was looking for it in the Madison. So they brought the Madison back in. And uh, very sadly, his father uh, was ill and quite ill. And he pulled out of the Olympics uh, in order to spend some final time with his father. Uh, and in doing so, sacrificed uh, the one thing he'd hoped for his whole career, which was to chase that Olympic gold medal. Mm. And that was a real moment for me just to show his character because nobody wanted an Olympic gold medal more than Cameron Meyer. But family yeah. came even before that. And I just respect the heck out of that. And uh, he will leave a tremendous legacy. He's going into coaching. I believe he's actually uh, headed to the West Australian Institute of Sport. So he's from WA. He'll go back home. Great. Uh, his brother Travis is over there. And uh, I think we can see him continue, continuing to contribute to the sport. Won't be lost to the sport. Yeah. Uh, statue maybe next to Ben O'Connor's. <laughs> yes. In, uh... Oh, w oh, they've got a lot. Of, they need to find a uh, commission, a statue yeah. builder. <laughs> they've got a lot in the works. <laughs> <laughs> Love a good statue dis discussion. No. Yes. That's not the only retirement, though. I think there's one more that's so well, close to got, your heart. Gosh, we've got lots. But Leah Kirschman is going from the women. Now, she was um, second at La Course back in 2019. Really great all-round rider. Uh, the Canadian for DSM. She's just called Stumps. Uh, she's had a fantastic career, though. But it will change all of these retirements. Of course, they change the dynamic of the field and the way that they race. So uh, we wish her luck yep. on her transition as well. Hope she stays in the sport in some capacity. On the Wheelhouse podcast, my name's Joel Spreadborough. Kate Bates is here as well. We're talking about retirements. We're talking about injuries. We saw some horrific pictures earlier uh, of, of Primoz going down and uh, also Jay Vine. I, I, this is an interesting topic, the mental cost. So the pro peloton, uh, it's, the schedule is unrelenting. And we've been talking for, for well, nine weeks now, episode nine. <laughs> we've been talking about riders getting to the gong and all that. And as we've gone along, we've seen a bit of an attrition rate, haven't we, of riders that we were maybe excited to see that aren't going to get here for various reasons. Some of them are mental health and some of them are coping, um, I guess, taking some time out to sort of deal with the strain, the pressure not just physically, but of course, mentally as well. So I think, especially in light of what's happened with Roglic in Spain, Yumbo are a bit concerned about his state. Is that right? Yeah, it's their, their director, um, Engels, he came out and he said, um, you know, that he's concerned that more than his body being physically broken, he's concerned that Roglic is mentally broken uh, after all the barriers he's come up against. The resilience that we talk about with him has been tested time and time again and there is a breaking point uh, for everybody. I, it also reminds me um, Richie Port didn't ride the Tour de France in 2022 yep. because he said he just did not enjoy the pressure um, of 2021 and he felt like his he was past the point of being able to win a Tour de France. 
and he just didn't want to do it. He didn't like that. You add to that Tom Dumoulin, who's retiring, uh, also saying that he's done his best, but it's all a bit too much, and he uh, took a mental health break. You can see in the imagery of Roglic after he Absolutely. crashed, just his and, and the weight soul. of expectation oh. going into that to that GT was enormous. Yeah, because he is. The King of Spain has been for a number of years. <laughs> he has, yes. We and saw I, it with Richie, but and we need to remember that Jonas Vingago, uh, your, your mate, my mate, my yeah. long lost Danish cousin, exactly. Uh, he hasn't been seen since the Tour de France because he's been too overwhelmed by it all, uh, and he's taken an extended mental health break yeah. after that. It's all started coming together in my mind, Joel, because you see these headlines and you think, "Oh, that's a shame." You hope they do well. But more and more, it's adding up to a bit of a picture uh, where I think something needs to change. We were trying to look forward to uh, Wollongong in terms of who was going to arrive on our shores uh, yeah. to chase that rainbow. But there's been a couple who aren't coming who've cited um, stress and pressure as part of that. One of those uh, was, of course, Mads Pedersen. Yes, we're getting uh, very excited about Yeah, he's, he has the green took the green jersey at the Vuelta, yeah. uh, but he said he just wants to go just home and home. see his family. Yeah. It's been a long season and he just needs, like, mentally he needs a break. And Tom Pidcock, uh, the great British hope who we thought would be perfectly suited, yeah. he's pulled out of world championships. He said uh, he went, he targeted the mountain bike world championships. It didn't go well. And he said he was so lost after that, yeah. that he just cannot even fathom how to mentally prepare for another world championships. I, I, I couldn't hack another build up. Uh, messages like this, I want to go home. I'm overwhelmed. Mm. Uh, bing, 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 like hello. Yeah, so, and I think that they need to just really consider this. And I suppose this goes back to what we were talking about with Team Quebec and using the data around the rider well-being. Um, maybe the riders won't need to make these big statements and get to breaking point. They might be able to better uh, manage this through the season so yeah. that uh, it's happening less and less. We love celebrating their victories. Uh, we love l watching Jonas in the in the private jet and the, the reception. We love Pidcock jumping into a fountain, having a bit of fun. At the end of the day, they're <laughs> young men and women. The sport is incredibly exerting, as as you know better than anyone. And the pressure, the attention is, is enormous. So, look, I say as sad as it is to miss out on, on seeing some of these faces in the gong, do what you need to do to take care of yourself. Ultimately, that's going to prolong your career and it's going to send the right message to, I guess, the future generations. Let's be of the kind, peloton. people. And I mean, yeah. we were talking about Remco earlier, Remco of Ennepool. Did he get a flat or not? Well, you know, I think regardless of that, he's getting a lot of online hate and yeah. debate. And I think everybody needs to bear in mind that they actually read a lot of these comments. Of course. Uh, of course. But it. Look, a lot of this has come up in context of the World Championships uh, because, Joel, a little bit more of a bummer uh, is Valverde. Yeah. The pro the, he's been world champion uh, before. He's won 12 stages of the Vuelta. Uh, he has said that he would love to come, but he doesn't have permission. That was a headline this week. Explain. From his mean? team. From, so like, he writes for Movistar. Why? Movistar have said, and, and the Spanish have been quite vocal about this they're having troubles filling a team for the world championships because the teams their professional teams aren't allowing them to travel because they're worried about relegation 
Okay, this so this new... is interesting because we were just talking about mental strain. It's like if this was coming from a welfare point of view and the team went public and said, I want them or we want them to have a break for these reasons, sure, but it's not. It's about <laughs> yeah, know, more it's pressure, exactly, more expectation. More pressure and expectation and more disappointment and more feeling like he's not valued. The biggest real bummer for me around this one is that this is Valverde's last season. He's 42 mm. years of age. He said this will be his last season. Uh, as we can see from any photos of Valverde, uh, he wears rainbow stripes around his arms because he has been road world champion before. He was supposed to finish his career at the Worlds yeah. and he won't get to do won't that now. So that it. is a real bummer and a lot of debate around whether or not uh, teams should be relegated from World Tour. Are they doing the right thing? Uh, we will have to check in at the end of the season to discuss the implications of that. But I think it's fair to say that it's having some unintended consequences. Uh, UCI might need to go back to the drawing board on that one. Yeah, it's a it's a mm. big old hot pot, especially when you factor in some of the other matters we've been discussing as well on the Wheelhouse podcast. Uh, I, I, we're talking about spirit animals. I left one out. I left one yes. out, Kate Bates. What's, what's your other spirit animal? The magpie. <gasps> The, ma- the dreaded. That every- can't be a spirit animal. That's like a, a fear, a mortal fear. Demon bird. I know why you're bringing this up. Yeah. Because we were talking about Wollongong and it's magpie season. Wanuna. And I don't think, it's a hot spot. It it's is a, a oh, it is I've a well known hot spot. Yeah. And uh, the race goes straight by there. Ooh. I do not think our international video uh, visitors are prepared for magpies. I think, like, you know, they've probably heard about the snakes and spiders that Australia has to offer. Yeah, yeah. I reckon in their cushy hotels, they'll probably the be safe from those. The fly under the radar, though. Yes. Yeah. So it's... that's, you know, an unknown. Like, should we put together a, a public service announcement for them, Joel? Maybe. Like, I, I'm, I'm genuinely curious. Like, how drastic action, what, what, would, what would happen if there was a, a magpie strike early in the... In the event, and and there was oh, a you know spike. What what do you, what do you do? How do you does everyone come out with protective spikes in their helmets protective or googly spi- eyes? You or? mean like when you see bike riders with all of those uh, zip ties, aren't zip they? ties yeah. stuck to their helmet, trying to warn them off? But apparently, if they can't see your eyes, that's when they swoop. So sunglasses on the back of the helmet, perhaps. Yeah. Somebody needs to tell them. They've got to know. I mean, maybe we can get Merxy. Uh, <laughs> Chief of Production here at the Wheelhouse yeah. to swoop. Oh, I like what you did there. No, to perhaps uh, put together a um, a little package to send them all, um, put it on social media, tag them all in, make sure they know how to how to handle the magpie. I think we could do that. Experiment with some options to 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 when if you're going through a magpie zone, as they will be. What they usually say is seek an alternate route. Don't go through it. <laughs> Get off your bike and walk. That's not going to happen at the World Championships. It is not. It will be a very memorable event, but I hope not for the magpies. I'm um, going to do it. Put Joel. a little thing together of of what you need to do to be safe. Some options, some headwear that you can consider when you're going through. A magpie zone to try and deter the demon birds. (laughs) Well, there's a lot. I mean, other than just the riders coming. Now, the teams will be, they're announced September 13, uh, confirmed teams. That's the deadline uh, for the teams. But there's so much other things going on. We've got the ambassador, Cadell Evans, uh, has been out and around. He's coming to Australia soon. He'll be there in Wollongong for the event. I love that. You know, there's another ambassador that I'm particularly, as as a newcomer to the sport and someone that hasn't been, a psychling uh, enthusiast <laughs> for my whole life. There's a new ambassador 
my mate, Emma McKean. One of your mates. How about Emma McKeon, Australia's a- most successful Olympian yeah. in the pool, in not the pool. on the bar. <laughs> All of her gold medals reside in the gong. She's yes. signed up to be an ambassador. She said, look, I've, I've, I, the, the admiration I have for the peloton is out of this world. They are incredible mm. athletes, but you won't get me tackling that. <laughs> you, you, she'll tackle like yes. anything else. But she, she's, got it. she's a town bike rider, Joel. Yeah. I mean, perhaps you could take her for a jaunt. A townie, yeah, yeah, Town- yeah. Yes. I love a townie. Yeah, <laughs> well, okay. and it it actually reminds me, Wollongong uh, have this really cool program uh, in place that, to my knowledge, most major events don't have, um, called a legacy program, where they've given the government's given different uh, projects some funding to make sure the footprint. Um, of the Wollongong World Championships is kept going. So there, Wollongong is a bike city. Great. Uh, being given a bike international bike city label yep. uh, for anybody seeking a bit of cycle tourism. Uh, but they've also got um, some other really cool projects, and one of which I discovered yesterday. It's called um, Yesterday's Stories. And what they do, Joel, is it's an app, and when you ride through specified routes around Wollongong, it tells you all the historical Facts about the region automatically oh, the as best. you hit the kilometre markers. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, as you approach a kilometre marker, it'll tell you about the area and what's gone. It's That's quite amazing. Cool. That's like it's the tours cool. you go on when you go to places like Alcatraz. Yeah. And you walk around, it's like, but this it's where cycling this central ones. Oh, very immersive. So uh, some really cool stuff. And Destination Wollongong, uh, they've also put together this incredible like cycling library online, um, best cafes to ride to, uh, best routes, how to avoid the magpies, all that sort of and stuff. Emma They're doing McKeon, a really good job uh, down there. Waving the starting flag to get the event underway. Very, 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 very yes. special. Oh, I, I didn't realise she was yeah, she'll waving, be waving the flag. The flag. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. cool. Be That's there. very cool. Will Cody Simpson be there? Ooh. Singing the a song, fa- they a gong the, song. They've got to be the most famous sports couple at the moment, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, song, I nearly called him a songstress. Um, <laughs> singer, <laughs> very famous singer, Cody Simpson, who yeah. is now uh, a very good swimmer, incidentally, with his little comeback, uh, the golden couple. I don't know. It'd be great to have him sing the gong. Uh, the gong song. The gong song. Yeah. yeah. We'll, write it. we'll write the lyrics. We just need to front up and sing. I reckon you, our songwriting skills might be akin to our design skills, Joel. The so gong, gong, gong. <laughs> it's a song, song, song about the gong, gong, gong. Yeah, That's, let's yeah, leave that to, like that to Cody. Maybe. Uh, yeah. But look, how exciting. Uh, so much happening on the road to Wollongong. We'll be there as well. Very quickly, before we go, Kate, we mentioned last week the Submariners recreating the TDF course in honour uh, of their mate um, who lost his life uh, Due to some mental health concerns, they they continue. They're doing a brilliant job of it. Yes, they are. So you can follow along on their Just Giving page. Uh, we'll put pop that in the show notes. They're having like ten and a half hour days, so it is a long, difficult journey for them. I think that's part of the uh, point, Joel. Yeah. Um, they will do quite a lot of soul searching on those days, yeah. long days in the saddle. Let's hope they have at least um, one to two shamooses on each day. <laughs> Just as uh, absolutely yes minimum. to keep yeah. that seat as comfortable as possible. But do follow along because yeah. I love what they're doing, and uh, they should be finished in or around uh, when Wollongong is being raced. So we'll symmetry. Uh, we'll drop in and see how they're doing. Wrap it all up. We'll be in Wollongong as well. Very excited. This is the Wheelhouse Podcast. It's been a fun ride. Episode nine. Kate Bates. Woof. Woof. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> we'll be back to do it all again and hit double figures. 
The Wheelhouse is produced by River City Studios for Listener. Executive produced by Luke Mears and the mysterious Merksy. It's written and hosted by Kate Bates and me, Joel Spreadborough. 